0: Welcome to the Fierce Authenticity Podcast, where we're illuminating and dismantling all of the ways supremacy culture has impacted our relationships with ourselves, with source, and with others. Not just the overt ways like racism, sexism, ageism, alcoholism, and all the other isms, but also the sneaky, cunning ways you wouldn't have thought of like perfectionism, imposter syndrome judgment, burnout, the not enoughs, and the hustle to achieve. I'm your hostess, Sharani M. Batuk, and I'm a relationship therapist, leadership development consultant, and author of the book series, Fierce Authenticity. Whether you're a returning listener or you're new here, I want to extend a very warm welcome to you and invite you to connect with me through the Fierce Authenticity newsletter community. If you're ready to rise above an inherited systematic invasion rooted in fear and lack so that you can calm and refocus those energies towards reclaiming a fiercely authentic personal relationship grounded in an abundance and love that is so radiant all your other relationships are elevated with you, then this is the space for you. I invite you to visit www.fierceauthenticity.com/connect to join me. I'm so excited that you're here, and now let's dive in. It's now time for me to introduce you to our very first guest of this season, Krishna Avalon. Krishna's been a licensed acupuncturist and Reiki master teacher for 18 years. While she still witnesses magic on the treatment table every day as patients transform, her current inspiration is helping clients clear trapped emotion and trauma held in the body through a pranayama breathwork meditation. She also teaches nervous system regulation practices that help people feel safe in their bodies, trust themselves, and come out of old stories in the mind to create new life experiences. Here's why I'm excited to share this episode with you today. First off, Krishna and I begin our conversation speaking about the Bodhisattva Kuan Yin, who's often associated with compassion, mercy, and kindness. And what Krishna highlights that I just absolutely love is that it is in her gentleness that her fierceness lies. I don't know about you, but I know that every single story I've ever been told was that gentleness is weakness. And as the badass, high-achieving women of color we are, there is no room for gentle. We must simply be fierce. Which, when you think about it, fierceness without gentleness can just be scary. And then, of course, patriarchy gives us a bad rap, like the Hindu goddess Kali. But I digress. I just want you to sit with the thought that gentleness and fierceness can not only coexist, but that in your gentleness is your fierceness. Next up, I want to highlight how Krishna talks about that for us women, coming back to ourselves is where we are most empowered. In ourselves is where our power lies. I know that I used to give my power away to other people, places, and things, including the men I dated, the grades I got, the achievements I achieved, and I was miserable. When I learned to come back to myself, where my true power resides, I started to feel happier, more fulfilled, and more peace in my life. Next up, another thing I love about this interview with Krishna is her shares about being a brown woman growing up in an all-white family in an all-white town in pretty much an all-white state. And I know my fellow black and brown and other women of color are going to be able to relate, especially to that feeling of otherness that we can often feel. Lastly, we talk about one of the things that plagues women the most in this age of patriarchy and contempt. The fact that women are taught to repress everything that makes us women and everything that makes us human. And not only that, we're also taught that we are never allowed to say No. Yeah, that's a lot to dig into in one episode. And I'm just really excited for you to meet Krishna, who is such a beautiful soul, and for you to listen in and enjoy this conversation that she and I had about being strong, fierce, gentle, authentic, powerful, Women, and especially women in leadership. Enjoy. I just want to say thank you so much, Krishna, for being here with us. And it is such a gift. I have experienced your magic. I have experienced your healing and the medicine that you bring. And I'm really honored that you said yes to my invitation to join me to share with the listeners of our podcast, parts of your story and the beautiful work that you're doing in this world. So welcome, welcome, welcome.
1: Thank you so much. I feel very happy. It feels very right to be here with you.
0: Mm, thank you. Yeah. And I have felt that sweetness and that tender energy between us since we had this like you just have this sweet tender energy and before we hit record you mentioned very much this kuan yin energy and i definitely feel that from you and i know our listeners will feel that and anything else that wants to come through from our time together also
1: i'm just like like i'm not a big fan of like even like deities like i don't call upon them so much or anything but she for me she's like the mother, the compassion, the goddess, the love, the beauty. So, she's- mm,
0: can you say more about her? Actually, it feels really beautiful to honor her in that way and give her a little bit of airtime here with us.
1: I mean, she comes through for me. Like, I'm not a person of, um, you know, I was raised Catholic but I don't, you know, I, like I said, I don't call upon deities too much. I don't have like statues really around my spaces, but I do have this beautiful Kuan Yin behind me. And she's just from, from what I feel from her, she's all mother, goddess, compassion, love, gentleness. And in that is just like this fierce strength Mm -hmm. without having to go through the world with like, armor and weapons. It's just like all that empowerment just by being softness and love. So
0: I have goosebumps as you're describing her and how you're saying that it is in all of that gentleness that is her fierceness and just goosebumps as you say that. And that's one of the things that I do a lot of work with the women I work with around is that armor that they show up suited up with so much armor. And a lot of the work that we do is trying to help them reconnect with those aspects of the fierce feminine of the gentleness and the softness and the receptivity. And yet also the strength and the power of how we are so incredibly powerful. And we create human life and all that other stuff. So gosh, just goosebumps when you said that about the gentleness. Really how I try to show the people I work with and my daughter, like the way to
1: be most empowered in the world is to just come back to your own energy, come back to your own heart, tend to your needs, take care of yourself like you're your own parent. And then you don't need to be in the world reacting putting up defenses and walls and getting mad at everything. (laughs) I know how I feel. Like I feel my most beautiful, my most connected when I'm in my own energy, soft and open in my heart. And so, yeah, she comes to me in meditation. Sometimes she'll come to me doing doing energy work.
0: Yeah. Oh my goodness. I love that. And I, And I love that statement that you just made. The way to be most empowered in the world is to tend to your own energy and to be connected with that.
1: Right. I'm so glad that you feel that because I feel like the big narratives right now are so much about how you need to be like outside of your energy, basically, super pissed off at anybody that's not agreeing with you, believing with you, whatever the things are in these narratives that are only this side or that side. And to me, there's like this spectrum. There are no Mm -hmm. just two sides. Mm. And so I love the feminine. (laughs) I love the (laughs) masculine. And so just being able to tune into your own energy, come back to yourself, because the world is so much, as we all know, we don't even need to get into 2020, but (laughs) I'm constantly trying to show people how to come back to themselves. And that's really what most people are after, you know, it's like most people just don't have the tools to come back to their own energy, but that's what they want to feel. They want that connection. They want to feel grounded. They want to know who they are. But we're so programmed right now to be tuning in outside, to be scrolling a screen, to be distracted, to be looking at people who are not feeling and thinking the same as we are, and then looking at that person as the enemy.
0: Yes. Oh, gosh, you've taken us so deep already. And it's reminding me of a conversation that Lisa Miron and I had in an earlier episode about the duality and how we live in such a polarized time right now, exactly as you're saying. And I too have been really thinking about that and viewing it as a spectrum, like we get so black and white. And it's really helpful to remember that it is all a spectrum.
1: Colors of the rainbow, people, it's not just red or blue and not even the rainbow. There's all the colors outside of the rainbow. So just even with this election stuff that we just had, it was just like, you know, hearing all the people who come into me and they're so worked up and they're so upset and they're so mad at the people who don't think the way they think. And I'm like, I don't care how you vote at all. I want to know, like, how are you treating people who don't feel the same as you do? don't Mm. vote the same way you do, who don't think the way you do. Ah. I feel like that's a representation of where you're at within yourself.
0: Mm. I love that. And that is a message that has been reiterated time and time again on the podcast. Like I feel like all of my guests come on and share basically the same message um, because Andrea Renee in her episode said something very similar. How do we treat people that we believe have done a wrong or a harm or that do things differently than us. And that I need to listen to that one. I saw that you posted that. I want to check that out. Yeah. And that's at, I- That isn't
1: it? It's like, I get that there are voices that feel like they need to do the calling out. I get that. That's not my voice.
0: Hmm.
1: And I just, you know, I want to hold space for more love and beauty and inspiration and the things that I believe in, in this world.
0: And that's my particular medicine. Yes. And it oozes right out of you. So you have definitely done your part. And I know you continue to do your part to really be able to show up from that space of love and generosity and kindness and compassion. Like it's very evident in the way that you show up every time I've engaged with you. It's obvious. It's so
1: sweet to be seen by you. It wasn't always that way, you know what I mean? I mean, I'm at an age in my life now where I can look back and be like, oh my god, you know, like if you look back at what you were posting ten years ago, how you were showing up in the world, you know, behaving from your wounds and your unconscious places, um, still creating beauty in the world, but like not integrated yet with my shadow and tending those deeper places that
0: needed to be
1: looked
0: at. And I love that acknowledgement that it wasn't always this way, that it takes some deep diving within the depths of our minds, hearts and souls. I call it excavating these parts of our minds, hearts and souls, because that's what it feels like. Um, And I have so many different questions that are going on right now. Because on the one hand, I would love for you to share a little bit with listeners, what the work is that you do because you mentioned that you know when we were talking about these gentle, soft, sweet energies of the feminine and how, especially Kuan Yin, like that is what makes her fierce is that softness, that gentleness, that kindness, that compassion, and and it's in that that her fierceness is. And and you talked about you know we all just want to be connected and be in relationship with our own energy. And the way that we're most empowered is to tend to our own energy. And you said that you support your clients in that process. And I also hear the element of shadow work coming in. So maybe we can answer those questions simultaneously. So can you share a little bit about your work in the world, and professionally, how you support people, and then Um, segue that into that shadow work piece. Yeah. I've been an acupuncturist for 18
1: years, and that really was my first love. And thank goodness for that, because that gave me direction that got me on the path to healing that branched out into the energy work, which you could call Reiki. I mean, it's kind of just becomes your own thing after you've been doing it for 18 years. I use sound and frequency to help people's vibration reset from like high anxiety, survival, stress, low energy, whatever it is, we use sound and frequency to just invite the body to relax. So those are like my main tools in treatment the last 18 years. And then just as a space holder, seeing people, hearing people's stories, and then my work being very intuitive and heart centered, it's like, you could go to any acupuncturist, but Are they just putting a bunch of points in you to move some energy or are they very (laughs) intentional in choosing the points that are going to be the most good for you at that time? So that's my work. And I feel really good about that. I still see magic all the time, every day. And I could keep doing that forever with like, and it'd be fine, but it was definitely a time to grow for me. So in the last couple of years, I've started to get into, as you know, breath work, which I got to guide us through. For the joy and justice collaboration and for me the breath work is that way for myself and then being able to guide other people to get past the busy mind past the ego and then drop into where the deeper beliefs lay and even clearing the stuff that's hidden and trapped mostly emotionally from the body and in that you can work with the shadow because sometimes we don't know We don't know where we're hiding. We don't know where we're not showing up. (laughs) We don't know why we're not motivated to do things. We want things, but they're not happening. We don't know why. That comes from the belief systems. And that's more than just the conscious, rational mind. So that's like the stuff that's deeper. That's the stuff that we actually create our lives from. So I love the breath work for that. And then more recently I've been getting into nervous system regulation, specifically the vagus nerve and somatic practices, which help us tune into what we're feeling in our bodies, either sensation or emotion or both and connect that with what we're believing and what we're telling ourselves. And usually that's a story that's very old and familiar and then the body responds to those old familiar stories. So if you're constantly thinking like, I'm gonna fail, I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy, I'm a victim, whatever it is, that's what you're gonna be broadcasting, usually unconsciously. And so having just very sweet, again, gentle practices to connect what you're feeling in your body to what your mind is believing and being like, oh, wait, that's not true, and then tending your needs, so empowering. Mm-hmm. And now I'm just getting into so into the neuroplasticity. So really wanting to create some classes that are very accessible to people because mental health is not available to most people right now. Therapists are booked, or they're <laughs> expensive, or their insurance isn't cut, whatever. And so making a class where people can show up ground into their bodies, connect to what they're believing. Maybe, maybe not realizing that the thrilling in themselves is not true. Doing some big breath work to clear trapped emotion, get down into the subconscious, maybe breathing through the shadow, maybe breathing for our inner child that needs tending. Maybe breathing for the life we want to be in and like our passion and our vision and like mm-hmm. the beauty. Connecting with our ancestors. You have had so many visions and like gone to other dimensions so many times when I've done breath work. Yeah. And then, and, you know, going through there and like when we're in a certain part of the breath work, being able to say things to people that help us change our beliefs. Like I am worthy of all the love that's available to me. You can imagine after you've gotten to a certain point and you're open with your breath, you've connected with the story you've been telling yourself, but then you start bringing in how you want to change your subconscious beliefs. It's so powerful. And so I can help people with acupuncture and energy work and sound, and it's beautiful. But I just know that the foundation of
0: so many people's stuff is in those belief systems in the old stories. Yeah. And I really appreciate the piece of bringing it back to the wisdom of our bodies, because that's one of the things that I have found both in my work personally, as I've been in my own healing work, and also professionally, as I support others, is that so many people only address the mental part of mindset and stories and beliefs, and they don't bring in the parts about the body and the wisdom that our bodies carry. And I appreciate what you called it. You called it the high anxiety survival stress mode, <laughs> is what you called it. And that's very much the story that lives in so many of our bodies. And yet, everyone's just trying to work on a mental mindset.
1: Right. And what I've learned in my studies and what I've tuned into from other people who teach neuroplasticity is that we can positive talk things all we want. And sure, that's helpful to have post-its all over to like encourage yourself, but that's like 5% Mm. of how we create life. Whereas like the subconscious belief stuff, that's 95%. So that's where we want to be working if we want to create lives that we want to be in like quickly. And for me, Sharani, like the, the breath work, the somatic practices with the vagus nerve and the nervous system, and now the neuroplasticity, I mean, this feels like, ah, this feels like the magic Mm -hmm. beyond drawing from limitlessness.
0: Yes. And I agree with you with that magic law feeling of understanding the nervous system, the vagus nerve and neuroplasticity and how it all works together in our healing. And I have an episode called Your Nervous System. It was one of my very, very early episodes before I even had a support team supporting the podcast and everything. And Earlier this year, I started – actually, it was right before the COVID shutdown in March. It was like around January, February or so that I started taking an interest in the neurobiology stuff. And not that I just started taking an interest in it. It's that the information became more available to me, like the courses, the classes, things just started to pop up. And it's – always amazing how that happens and then of course the shutdown and well thank goodness i had developed some tools you know for regulating the nervous system and uh, i'm actually just coming off of a training on um the neurobiology of our relationships that was with Terry Real um who i talk about all the time and Jules Shore i think it's Taylor Shore i can't recall right now she does the neurobiology pieces interpersonal neurobiology and it's Fascinating how our stress, our danger system activates in one eighth of a second, but our calm, functional, rational brain takes two to three seconds before it can process information and come online.
1: Exactly right. And think about how many people in this world came into their mother's wombs for whatever reason, not feeling safe, not feeling supported. Well, like whatever our mothers were going through mm-hmm. when they were pregnant, not every mother's just like calm and happy and like, so in love with being pregnant. So we're learning stuff from then through our nervous systems yes, and our belief systems and our brains and our guts, the yeah. second
0: brain. So it's, it is fascinating. Yeah. And I love those images that also show. Um, your grandmother and your mom in her pregnant belly and all the little eggs in your mom, you know, and then how you're in there. So it's just such a nice visual representation. If I find an image, I'll uh, link it in our show notes. And it's just this beautiful image that really puts it in perspective how we are impacted by those who came before us, like in a very real biological kind of way.
1: So real. And so a lot of what we're clearing and what I'm working with with patients, it's not even our own stuff. It is literally the stuff that we got passed down through our DNA,
0: through our lineage,
1: through our blood, through our wombs.
0: Yes. And speaking of that, I know because you just shared about, you know, the energy with which we're even conceived and we grow in our mama's bellies. And I know that you have a very interesting story as a brown-bodied woman and the energy around your story a little bit. So are you open to sharing some of that with us?
1: Yeah. I mean, I love that you asked me that because I don't get to talk about this very much. And I love that I get to talk about it, not from uh, Mm a confused or traumatized place, you know, I've been tending that a lot and it's just so helpful Mm -hmm. to know why now it was like growing through concrete. So, oh, Mm -hmm. I mean, my, I was born in the seventies. My mom had some friends that were in this cover band (laughs) (laughs) and didn't even live in the United States. My birth father's Filipino and my mother got pregnant in an unconscious way. I'll just say it like that. It wasn't Mm. consensual. She wasn't conscious, actually. So my Mm. family is very Catholic. Bless my grandmother and grandfather. I love them so much. And they were only loving to me. But they kicked my mom out of town. And she wasn't allowed to come back until she had a husband. And the man she married Mm. was not a healthy man, very angry, very toxic patriarchy, controlling, angered, everything was everybody else's fault, very big punisher. And so I was very much taught to be the girl that was just the good girl. Don't use your voice. Be quiet. Take care of others all the time. That's how you receive love and validation. Um, and my mother was young. She was just 20. She didn't know what to do. And she has 16 brothers and sisters. I mean, (laughs) wow, so Catholic. And I have beautiful memories of my childhood, beautiful. But those were my lessons. And then I was raised Catholic and it was just like a lot of shame for having all this swagger and beauty and big Mm -hmm. energy and just like magnetic attraction just naturally, but all this confusion with like, you should be ashamed of that. You need to be quiet. You need to be a blah, 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 whatever. So just never really being seen, you know, loved, but all that other stuff too. And so even throughout my life, my mom being very jealous of like, just the fact that I'd be able to like accomplish even the littlest things. Cause she'd never got to do that. You know, mm-hmm. she always only knew how to look outside of herself. She only ever knew, still to this day, how to be the victim. Yes. And so it just created a lot of confusion. And my themes in this life clearly were learning how to feel safe, being who I am, mm-hmm. trusting myself, because I never felt like I could be myself. I was always too much. Mm-hmm. Not, or I didn't fit in clearly. Like there's this giant beautiful picture of my huge family with all my cousins and aunts and uncles and grandma and grandpa. And there's so many, there's like 75 people or something. I don't know, a ton. And I'm like the brown girl right in the middle. So cute. Right in the middle, you know, but it's, you know, it's stunning really.
0: Yeah. And Krishna, do you mind sharing for our listeners what color bodied individuals, everyone else in that picture was? Exactly white. Exactly white. (laughs) So there's 75 white people and you, the brown girl. I mean, at that time in that
1: picture, there might not have been yet 75, but my family literally is that huge or bigger at this point. So, and this was in Green Bay, Wisconsin. So it's, it's not like I was raised in Southern California or (laughs) where there's like other brown people around, you know, I was literally still the only brown kid in my classes. And so being like a pretty girl. So getting like that kind of attention, but also getting like definitely the racism and the shame and the confusion and the too muchness. So it's just so much confusion. So I've had to learn how to be clear in my own energy. And so naturally, that's what I'm trying to teach other people now, because that's where it's at. Like, imagine if we just learned when we are conceived and come out how loved we are how we are perfect Mm. as we are that we can trust ourselves oh my god so my shadow has come Mm. from that kind of stuff needing Mm. to tend to that little girl who wasn't seen or heard or didn't have a place to safely talk about the things that happened Mm. that weren't so great and um needing to basically parent myself which is a really beautiful thing to do. You know, when you're in the middle of a meditation and you're like going to those parts Mm. where you remember painful experiences and you know how to put your arm around yourself or look yourself in the eye at that age or that experience and be like, I got you. I'm never going to leave you again. Mm. It's going to be okay. Yeah. I mean, it's just incredibly healing. And so that's the shadow work and being able to see those parts of you too, because most of us want to avoid that. It's painful yes. Or people go to talk therapy and maybe they can talk about it, but I've known people who've gone to talk therapy for 20 years and they still have plenty of stuff that seems unintended whereas like I feel like I can take some people through a few breath works and they're like just totally different people (laughs) so I feel grateful to come really far really quickly in these last Mm. few years.
0: If you're enjoying what you're hearing on the podcast and you want to take this work deeper then hop on over to www.fierceauthenticity.com where you can purchase your very own copy of fierce authenticity the book show up be seen get love and you can also while you're on the website Click the start here tab so that you can download that free audio training, which is actually an update to the book and learn all about what this is, why we're here, why it matters and how you can take what we're doing here on the podcast even deeper and even further. Again, www.fierceauthenticity.com. Thank you so much for sharing that story and really trusting us with that information of what the experience was like being the one brown girl in a sea of white bodied people. And I didn't realize you grew up in Green Bay, Wisconsin. (laughs) So not only do you have this incredibly white Catholic family, but then you're living in a place that is not racially diverse at all. And it's just so beautiful. And even your sharing of the story, like I I hear so much gentleness and compassion with yourself and for your little girl, the little brown girl who lives inside of you and had those experiences. And I can definitely relate to the confusion. And for me, it was also and not wanting to be seen. Or sometimes being seen because I looked different. And so it was like such a confusing, confusing time. And I grew up here in California. (laughs) So imagine that, right? Like that it's almost like universal, unfortunately. Yeah, that's really validating actually for my heart just to hear you say that,
1: you Mm -hmm. know, It, it really is. Because looking back, I'm like, well, of course, of course, of course, those are the lessons I came in to learn, but it took me a long time to realize. And, and, and luckily I learned ways to work with that, but it looks like so many people don't, they don't have those tools. They haven't even been able to look at those places, those hurt places. And so that's why we've got all these pissed off, angry, red faced, hateful people running around in the world, shouting their heads off.
0: yes. Yeah,
1: that. it's really easy, I think, for a lot of people to lay in bed. At night and I wonder, like, what is the point of being on planet Earth right now? What's the point? One thing after another. But, I mean, if there's any opportunity for love and beauty and inspiration and pleasure, connection, expansion, I'm all about it. I'm also a mom, you know? Mm. So I want to break that cycle for my child because I come yes. from a long lineage of martyrs, mm. victim mentality and just misery, just being just stuck in that mis- and very enmeshed, not just because it was a giant family and you never ever had your own <laughs> space psychically or physically, but you know they only knew how to be with each other, in in each other's business all the time.
0: (laughs) I like that. I like that description of enmeshment, be in each other's business. (laughs) Yeah. And it's funny. Some of my best friends in college were Catholic and white-bodied Catholic women. And I, Indo-Fijian, and grew up with the tradition of Hinduism. And I tell you, these Catholics and these Hindus, they're like Exactly the same in terms of enmeshment and codependency and martyrdom and giving up of the self in order to appease others and then meddling and being in everybody's business. Oh, and don't forget the utilization of shame as a means of control. Does that sound familiar, Krishna? So exactly familiar. And I just love that we can both laugh about it right now instead of (laughs) being all pissed off about it
1: or triggered. It's just so beautiful to be, you know, I was just with my oldest friend this last weekend and I hadn't seen her in a long time and I hadn't seen her since this year. And um, sadly, she's just so angry and so mad. And it's just so beautiful to be able to be around people you love and not be triggered. Be able to calmly wait for a chance to respond if you feel like talking, but not feel like you have to try and convince someone why it would be better for them to Mm. do something a different way. (laughs) Right. Because even that was the old me. I used to want to give, 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 like all this beauty and love that I knew and was connecting to and felt within myself. I wanted to give that all away. And now I'm like, no, I'm going to just keep that for myself. And if you want some Mm. of this, I can show you what I know. But I'm (laughs) I'm not going to just give it all away to you. (laughs) Or try to put it on you either. Yeah.
0: Mm, I like that. And you're not going to put it on someone. You're not going to force it upon someone. And I really appreciate that. And I'm chuckling and laughing because, ooh, do I know all those different ways of being? (laughs) And it feels also really important to bring it back to how women in our culture have been trained to believe that they are supposed to give and give and give and give of themselves and how we're taught and trained and conditioned that there's no room for us there shouldn't be room for us like we shouldn't exist for ourselves that is it in definitely I feel like religious upbringings
1: but what I am also seeing tell me if you feel like you've seen this as well but I'm seeing plenty of women who have a ton of privilege, whether they recognize it or not, who still want to stand that victim. Mm. And I feel like mm. I can say that gently because I've been there and I work through it. But like in my experience with my friend last week, I mean, she's blonde haired, blue eyed, beautiful, you know, white skin, mm. white skin body, like you say, and just so angry. And I guess looking back, she's maybe always been angry and always been like in that tendency towards, but I was like, do you want to stay there though? Yeah. Yeah. So it's not to dishonor anybody's shitty things that have happened or the anger, like anger is so important. Rage is so important. Yes. Are you stuck in that though? Is that where you want to be? Or do you want to be empowered? Do you want to take your power back? from the election, from the whatever, do you want to take your power back and create from your
0: energy? That's where I'm at. I love that question. Do you want to create from your energy? Do you want to be empowered? And do you want to create from your energy? Well, and the the media
1: and what is definitely out there is to not be in your energy.
0: Just to not be in it. Yeah, there's a lot of unconsciousness that the word that's coming is plagues. There's a lot of unconsciousness that plagues our society.
1: Yeah. And I don't even want to complain about being an American or being like this. Like like I love America. I love the Earth. I love being a woman. I love my skin, my skins, you know, so for me, it's just like where we put our attention is exactly what we're gonna grow, you know? I mean, a lot of us know that already, but it's true.
0: yeah. and coming back to your observation about a lot of bodies with privilege being in this very angry, rageful victim, and I want to clarify for our listeners: when we're talking about victim, it's it's a consciousness state. It's not like a, um, or at least that's how I talk about victim and victim energy. Is it's more this consciousness? It's a state of being. Like it's chosen. That's what they yeah, and, and I I always struggle with it because I'm a social worker by training, and the whole victim blaming thing, and and so I always feel like there's such a fine line when I speak about victim consciousness because I don't want to fall into that space of victim blaming. And on the other hand, there is also this very real reality of yes, some people truly are victimized and choose to remain in victim energy. And there are people that haven't been victimized in the way that others have And yet they still operate from victim consciousness energy.
1: Exactly. And I mean, I just see it as more of the whole divide thing, like seeing people against whether it's man and woman or religions or conservatives or liberals, you know, it's like all these labels and the separation. And it's just, I just don't believe like for me in my heart, I don't feel that way. So, Mm. you know, when I look at someone, I do see that person, Sure, they could be an asshole. They just have <laughs> probably a really super wounded child within them. Like their parents were probably
0: horrible to it. like or whatever. I can feel compassion. And that is definitely something that is lacking in our world today on a general scale. And there are people, though, that when you connect with people individually, that's where that compassion and understanding grows. That's true. When you hear
1: just a little bit of somebody's backstory and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. I understand why they're like that.
0: Yeah. And I, too, am definitely noticing that there are a lot of people and they don't have to just be white bodied people like there are a lot of bodies out there that are operating very much from a victim consciousness energy and lack and scarcity. Yes. And I have to just bless them and let them be in their process. They might very well be in lack and scarcity. Mm-hmm. That
1: might very much be their reality. But I'm also seeing a lot of people that that is not at all their reality. <laughs> it's not. And they're staying stuck in that, mm. you know, I'm always being wronged. Something's yeah. always being taken from me. And I mean, there's a lot of bullshit, a lot, that's not invalidating the people who are truly victims in scarcity,
0: Yeah, and it makes me think of Milagros Phillips, one of the teachers I'm learning from, and I've shared about her on the podcast a lot, where she talks about actually that oppression and oppressive practices are actually more dangerous in white-bodied individuals because they don't realize that those tools have been used to manipulate and control them as well, to uphold the systems as they are.
1: I could totally see that. I mean, I live in a very privileged white neighborhood in Portland, Oregon. Portland's very white, right? And I mean, I benefit from this because my practice is full of people that need support. (laughs) And I can guarantee you, like especially since the Black Lives Matter movement this year getting so big is like, people feel bad complaining. About their legit problems.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: you can have a lot of privilege mm-hmm. and still be a mess. <laughs> An absolute mess. And so, mm-hmm. you know, you just definitely still want to honor, even if you are in a white body, there's some things that could be worked with and tended and healed. And
0: Yeah. And it's in that tending and in that healing that we start to become whole again. And that's when we can start to relate with people in an authentic and genuine manner without trying to one-up somebody or believing that you're one down. You know, you mentioned the too much thing. I call it the too much, not enough thing because it's, again, that polarity of, well, I'm either too much and I need to tone it down or I'm not enough. And so I go into that shame story of how bad I suck.
1: Exactly. One hundred percent. And that's been me my whole, you know, my whole life until the last few years,
0: for sure. Yeah. Yeah, And coming back to something we were talking about just now in terms of women and how so often women are taught to martyr themselves, like we kind of live in a culture of victimhood and martyrdom, actually, and how it doesn't really serve women to operate from that place. And so, I mean, I'm just going to say it's boring. It's boring. <laughs> it's boring.
1: I mean, that was my mother. That's so much of like, and I love my aunties, love them. They are playful and fun and things too. But yeah, like the story can definitely stay the same. Yeah, And um, I picked it up very well. I picked mm-hmm. up shaming and guilting very well. And it's yucky and thank goodness i feel like i just don't do that anymore at least so much less <laughs> sometimes my daughter will call me on it and i'm like okay okay you're right yeah. being the martyr like doing things that you don't want to do to please others it's never the best outcome For one, Mm -hmm. I used to intern in this fibromyalgia clinic for like a year when I was in school and 100% of the people in that clinic were in situations at the patients were in situations they did not want to be in caring Mm -hmm. for people that maybe it was a parent who was mean to them. Mm -hmm. Maybe it was a husband who became disabled and Mm -hmm. they had a shitty marriage, like 90% of those patients were women as well. And so- it was just really interesting to see that that was the common thread with this excessive too much pain in the body to deal with. So that's one way martyrdom can show up in your body is an intense amount of pain. Hmm. That doctors cannot diagnose except for lumping you into a category of whatever, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue.
0: Right. Which is, I don't want to say overdiagnosed, but there is a larger representation. It's like the one place women are most represented (laughs) or a majority of the representation is with diagnoses of fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, adrenal fatigue. And what's the other one? Oh, it just escaped me. I mean, even thyroid stuff. Thyroid stuff. Yes.
1: Throat chakra. That's our voice. That's speaking our needs, speaking our truth. It's getting our anger out. And so a lot of people with that, it's just so interesting working with patients and you see that and you know, all these things, but that's what it comes down to. And I'm not saying people shouldn't care for their parent. That was mean to them, Hmm. but it is about tending that shadow, maybe going back and parenting yourself during times you didn't have that parent Hmm. you needed so that when you're taking care, you're also taking care of yourself. You have to take care of somebody that you really wish that you didn't have to, (laughs) but you also need to take (laughs) care of yourself. Maybe you'll have less pain in your body or a thyroid that works better
0: or not be so exhausted all the time. Yeah. And I'm diagnosed with Hashimoto's actually. And so it's always been this, well, since I became conscious to healing and healing modalities, I've always been like, huh, the thyroid lives literally right in the throat chakra. So thank you for bringing that up too, because it's also, again, women, oh, bipolar disorder. That was the other one that there is a heavily, heavily, you know, people say it's, it's women that carry that diagnosis more heavily than men. So that was the other one that I wanted to say, but it just comes back to the wisdom of our bodies again, right? And how when there have been experiences that have been shut down. Like the word that's coming is repressed. And as women, oftentimes we are taught to repress our thoughts, our feelings, our emotions, our opinions. Like anything that makes us a human, <laughs> a living, breathing being with our own thoughts and opinions is taught to be repressed. So of course it's going to show up as chronic fatigue and exhaustion and un identified, mysterious pains in our body that nobody can figure out a cause to. Well, no Western doctor can figure out a cause to.
1: Yeah. And Hashimoto's, as much as I know, it's kind of like a pendulum. That's Mm -hmm. so it can be hyper or it can be hypo. Yeah. And so doing those things for the vagus nerve as well, because it goes through Mm -hmm. the thyroid and it goes through the throat. So humming, gargling, singing,
0: singing. I didn't realize that the vagus nerve goes through the thyroid
1: mm-hmm.
0: organ. I didn't realize that goes
1: through the throat, and I believe it touches the thyroid. Oh, maybe it doesn't go like through the center.
0: Uh huh. That makes sense, though, because that is an area, you know, right here—not um, like listeners can see us, but the base of the skull, all around our face, like the bottom of our face, is where the most concentration of our nerves are. So that would make sense that some of those nerves would touch the thyroid. Thank you for that.
1: You're welcome. I can teach you some other things later too.
0: Yeah, offline. We'll talk about that. And Krishna, this has just been such a beautiful conversation, touching on everything from shadows to growing up the one brown-bodied individual and the origin story, the way that you came in and the work that you've done and how breath work and energy work has been profound in helping you with your healing And then, gosh, a turn that I didn't even know we'd take, and it's fantastic, is that conversation around victimhood and martyrdom and the repression of us as women. Huge. And just on a final,
1: just never being taught to say no. I was never taught to say no. I was only taught to say yes and people please and do more for others. And that was
0: not good for me. (laughs) No, (laughs) <laughs> mm. I am constantly telling my daughter do what you want. What a great mama. And and that's another beautiful thing like I see is like, oh, and how curious that you would have manifested or called in a daughter into your life, right? With all of this healing that you have done through your own lineage, through your own stories, and then to birth a daughter. I mean, she really is my teacher. She's
1: so much wiser than me. And Mm. she's got these crazy eyes that change colors and she sees the world and her perspective for me is just so helpful and so beautiful and so refreshing. Mm. And so that's why I'm so grateful to have these tools to know how to parent her for who she is instead of who my conditioning would tell her to be, you know? Yeah, it is. She's that ancestor.
0: Mm, What a blessing and a gift. And you call her your greatest teacher. And I think I don't have kids, but I think that's just so beautiful when mamas can see that in their children and see their children as teachers, as opposed to wanting to control them and try to socialize them into being what was taught to them. And I feel like before we totally wrap up, there's one thing that we have mentioned over and over that we didn't totally address. And it feels like just to tie up that loose end, we've been talking a lot about parenting, that hurt, small, scared child inside, reparenting. So, can you share a little bit more? from your perspective about reparenting work as a part of the healing process, and maybe even a simple tool that our listeners can use to connect with that really powerful tool. I mean,
1: a lot of people do love guided meditation. I do as well. So anything that can help you just get into a very relaxed state, and have, maybe having an intention before you go in. So it's like, if you know that there's a memory that keeps surfacing for you, that's something that wants your attention. That's something to want that wants healed. You can go back to that time and just sit with that. But make sure you get yourself into a relaxed state. And then you bring up that memory. And then you can ask yourself what you needed at that time. And then you can literally be, that person or that thing for yourself and so what I'm learning about Mm -hmm. neuroplasticity and maybe you are too is it's all about repetition so you want to like keep doing that and keep reinforcing that because what we've learned all of our life is just like that same 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 story same habit pattern body responding in the same way and so we're trying to create new ways for our body to respond new ways to create life
0: So that's one way. And it's so sweet and so simple. It doesn't have to be a complex, complicated process, which is what I heard from from what you just shared.
1: What I really do want to make too is some very affordable affordable, accessible, because people ask me for them. So that's when I create too. <laughs> they want, you know, practices that they can download and then just have. And so guiding people through a meditation, doing some breath work as well to work with specific themes. Ooh, so whether nice. it's the victim, whether it's taking your power back, two mm. different ways to look at that. <laughs> yes. You know, whether it's working with that shadow so yeah. there would be those, but in simple, on your own, not having to buy anything. That's what I would tell you to do. Meditate, yeah. drop in, get very relaxed, sit with that memory that wants your attention and start tending to that just in the most sweet and gentle way by asking yourself, what did I need at that time?
0: Yeah. I love that. And it makes me think of the quote about being the person that you needed. It's like going back in time And back then being the person that you needed, but from today, but then also bringing that with you today to be that person.
1: Yeah. And that's
0: how we integrate as well. Mm -hmm. So
1: it's like being able to Mm -hmm. look at all those parts of you that have maybe been unconscious or keep kind of pushing maybe through your dreams or your daytime, but you're not giving them an attention, working with that and then letting it integrate. And that's how we become whole.
0: Love that. Oh, and that feels like such a beautiful place for us to start wrapping up. How does that feel for you?
1: That's right. Yeah.
0: All right. And so Krishna, thank you for joining me and sharing your sweet, gentle, loving energy with me and our listeners. And before we go, how can listeners connect with you? How can they learn about your work or follow your work, especially the things that you're doing outside of your acupuncture clinic, like the breath work and the Reiki and the meditations? So how can people find you?
1: I mean, I'm old
0: school for the most part. So I definitely have a website and I have a resources page where I
1: put some free stuff that my patients love. So like the somatic practices, a couple Mm -hmm. of those visualization for coming back into your energy, clearing your field. And then I'm going to start having, there is a daily breath work practice on there. It's going to be a lot different than if I were guiding you in person or like individually or in a group live, but there is a daily one on there. And then I'll have classes specific to those themes we were just talking about and maybe some other ones. And then socially, I like
0: Instagram. at Krishna Avalon and then same thing for the website. Yep, that's what I was just going to confirm. I'll have those links in the podcast description show notes at Krishna Avalon on IG and also KrishnaAvalon.com. And again, Krishna, from my heart to yours, thank you so much for being here and and sharing a part of you with us today. Mm, So happy to do it. Thank you, Sharani. Thank you again so much for joining me and Krishna for this episode. And I truly hope you got as much out of this episode as I did. And remember, if you want to learn more about the Fierce Authenticity framework, what it is, what it's all about, then be sure to head over to www.fierceauthenticity.com where you can purchase the book and or download that free audio training, and maybe even join our newsletter community where you get lots of special perks and bonuses and special invitations that I don't share publicly. So head on over there. And before we close out, I want to give credit where credit is due and just honor all of the amazing support that I have for this podcast. Starting off with the Eagle, the podcast editor, he manages the sound, he did the custom music, and he does some amazing work. So if this sounds good, it's because of Diego. Next up, I want to honor Ana Maria Olvina, who is my assistant. She puts together all of the pretty graphics that you see, the transcript and the blog post that pairs with this episode, which by the way, if you want a transcript, go ahead and visit www.fierceauthenticity.com where you can read a transcript of today's episode. Also, Jillian at Epoxy Studios is the one who took the photography that is our cover art and most of the images of me that you see. And lastly, I want to honor and acknowledge my source creator, God Goddess, whose divine wisdom flows through me and allows me to do this work and bring these healing and timely messages to you. So with that, I am out. Have a great week and I will be with you again soon. Take really good care.